For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey, y'all. This is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. What's up, everyone? This is another episode of Half Street High Heat, and it is a very special episode. I know I say that a lot, but it is the first win episode of 2022. And I think it's fair to say it might have come a little sooner than we might have expected, but it's a win nonetheless, and we get to celebrate a little bit. I am Nick. You can find me on Twitter at Nats Moose. I am joined by my co-hosts, Ryan and Amanda. You can follow them on Twitter at We Are All Shack and a white 7877 in the show at half street high heat and uh we won today and i think that's really all we need to talk about because i did not think we were gonna win we won a baseball game and it's not just like the mets choked it away which was you know which was and is well within their uh reality of of Mm -hmm. happening right like then the mets are the mets for a reason we literally have a, a segment on our show about the Mets and what goes on with the Mets, but the Nats earned this win. And I didn't think I would be saying that this soon, but uh, maybe, uh, maybe I underestimated the Nats a little bit, but uh, before we get into all that, obviously, you know, we are feeling a little good after our first one of the season. Uh, What's going on guys. It feels like it's been a little bit, but I guess we had an episode last week, but I guess it's also because we haven't done a normal baseball happening due to games type episode in quite a while what's going on yeah like a normal episode where we have a series to recap and stuff it's it's pretty good yeah doing great um it's been a fun week it's you know opening week we've been busy at the you know at half street high heat as you guys know we've been putting out a ton of content um doing the twitter spaces after the games which has been so much fun um those those are awesome and uh yeah just you know keeping busy with work but this week i have been watching and reading about and thinking about a lot of baseball. Yeah, it's crazy to me. And this is a little bit of a tangent, but you we're doing the most we ever have done with this show, but I've never had more fun with this show ever (laughs) since we started. I kind of said the same thing to Ryan, like we are packed out the ass with content right now. Like we're just, we, we have to come up with routines just within our day-to-day schedules, just to like, make sure we're on track and we can keep track of all what's going on between the show and Twitter spaces and the site and Patreon and YouTube and all, all that good stuff. Uh, but it, it's a lot of fun. And if you guys haven't been uh, joining our Twitter spaces, we've been doing post-game shows after each of the games. We did uh, one after every game this past series, uh, even the ones that end at like midnight, we, we do post-game shows. And uh, it seems 
to be going pretty well and we're having fun doing them and we get to alternate, uh, you know, who's hosting Monty's done a couple, Amanda's jumped in, Ryan's jumped in, I've jumped in and, you know, we've had other members of, uh, half street high heat jump in and host and contribute and stuff. So I, th- I think that's going to become a regular thing. It was kind of just like, it was Tyler's idea and, and, uh, it, it seems like it's really caught some fire to it. So I would highly recommend joining them because we're going to, you know, probably be doing them all season long. And we got uh, John Heyman in there for a little bit. So I, I guess we're doing something right, maybe kind of sort of, but Ryan, what's been going on with you? Yeah. I mean, they won. I, I was kind of wondering <laughs> when, when that was going to come. Uh, we'll talk more about the team in a little, but baseball's back, which is always good. The masters was this weekend and you officially know baseball is back when Yankees Red Sox is the first Sunday night baseball game of the year. And it was supposed to be the first primetime game, but they rained and moved it to one o'clock. But it was the first MLB Network game. So that's when you know baseball is officially back. Nature is healing. The world Nature has been restored. Healing, <laughs> mm-hmm. But yes, uh, speaking uh, in, uh, I mean, another tangent, Ryan, what are we in like fall, spring, number four? I don't know. It was kind of cold. So I feel like this it is was cold. <laughs> it was, I feel like maybe it goes back to like winter a little bit, but this week it's supposed to be in the 70s. So maybe maybe spring is officially coming. I don't know. The weather's not consistent yet. That's the annoying thing about early April. So we're in definitely one of those uh those false winter slash fall type things right now. Cause it was a it was a little chilly this weekend. I was there on <laughs> Thursday and Friday and I was cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was quite cold. Uh, <laughs> the the games were all the games were played, which uh, prior to opening day, it looked like maybe Thursday and Friday were definitely in doubt. But all all the games this series were played. The Nats dropped three of four, but that does not matter because they won one. Like that's what we need to focus on. <laughs> positive. If you're following or if you were in our uh, Twitter spaces, it, it's not quite positive vibes only because there's uh, plenty of not positive things to talk about, but it is positive vibes attempted. We will always attempt to keep positive vibes and we won one. PTA stat. That's right. Right. You're right. We won one. And and that's, that's what matters. Uh, But let's dive into the series. Uh, Like I said, the Nats dropped three or four, but they did bounce back today. We're recording on Sunday to, uh, you know, secure at least one victory in the four game set versus the Mets. So one and three on the season, um, just like some general th- thoughts from you guys about the team as a whole, we'll, we'll dive into, you know, the pitching and the offense and, and kind of the standout players and performances uh, in a little bit, but what are your overall thoughts on the teams on the team through four games? <laughs> there is <laughs> laughter that laughs. It's, it's the good with the bad. Nothing has surprised me about this team. Looking at the lineup. Not even the th- ghost today. Not not even the ghost. Like <laughs> look, looking at the lineup, the two through five, I knew was gonna be the only production this team is gonna get. And through the first series, the two through five is the only production this team is getting. If her name's not Soto, the ghost, um, Nelson Cruz, in case you guys are wondering, Cruz, Bell, Ruiz, you basically haven't really contributed to any runs. The six through nine is an absolute disaster. I think they're two for what forty-seven this year. Yeah, it might um, be worse. Michael Franco finally got his first hit. That's just a black hole, which I'm expecting. There's not really a lot of talent there. The lineup's doing what I expected. It's going to struggle this year, so you're going to have to find the things to look for. Right now, my things to look for are: How's Ruiz doing? How's my boy Soto doing? 
that's all. The pitching rotation, it's not good. Um, <laughs> Corbin's this team's ace. Again, the growing pains with Josiah Gray are going to be there. That's fine. He looked good the first time through the order, and then that fastball started missing up, and he got in some trouble. But looking in the rotation, how's Gray doing? That's going to be the positive bright spot. Um, I guess Fetty too. Fetty went five innings. I think that was the longest starter went this weekend. It was in fact, yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's it's going to be a long one. And then looking at the bullpen, it's not that good. But Sean Doolittle throwing ninety five. That was my one. I was going to bring up for the positive vibes. Like, what is is? I saw your tweet earlier today, Nick. Is Doolittle back? Are you back on the hype train? I am open to acknowledging that there is a Doolittle train. I have not. Yeah, it (laughs) exists. I have not bought the ticket yet. I have not even Googled what the ticket prices are yet, but I acknowledge its existence. All right, that's fair. I did. I just an all caps tweet seemed seemed pretty enthusiastic. So we'll we'll see when you start. No, 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 no. You're you're mixing me up. I, I was just like, oh, so Doolittle's back. Bet. That was me. Monty, who's the, you know, diehard Doolittle stamp, he's the one mm-hmm. who was all caps. Oh, so, fair enough. And he had the You got to get gift. your facts right. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. No, I'm, uh, I'm very pleasantly surprised by Doolittle. Um, obviously, it's two, it's two outings. I mean, you can't draw any conclusions from that. But, you know, the velocity is there, which it hasn't been. And, and uh, I think it was one of the spaces we talked about that perhaps it was just, you know, the use over a couple of year span where his arm was just dead and he needed to recover. I don't know, but his, he's pitching with more velocity than, than I was expecting him to. And, you know, he threw a, it doesn't, I don't know if he did it today. Cause I, I didn't have the game on. I was following it on my phone, but what a curveball um, was the curveball. Yeah. Like, yeah. He threw it a little has a curveball. Yeah. Like that. We talked so much in, you know, the, the year, um, of the world series. And, and I, and I don't even know when the year before too, about the fact that he just was a one pitch pitcher and that if he could mix in an off-speed, a good off-speed pitch, that it would be a game changer for him. And he's done that. So I, I have higher hopes for Doolittle than I thought I would. Yeah. Uh, I, th- with Sean Doolittle specifically, it wasn't that his fastball was ineffective. It was more so when his fastball is not effective as happens to every pitcher across baseball not named Jacob DeGrom you're going to have you know your best pitches not be effective you know a random day and for Sean Doolittle being a one pitch pitcher uh you know that those kinds of days were going to happen more often than not so he just needed another pitch to keep hitters honest because when he couldn't be precise with his fastball they were teeing off on him and then he was even more unprecise imprecise 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 he was more imprecise with this fastball so then he was just getting hit and walking and and all the all the stuff so now that he's able to mix in a curveball and i think he has a change up too that he's been mixing in all he just needs to to mix those in like you know 10 to 20 percent of the time and he can still be a you know an 80 percent fastball pitcher but just the threat of mm-hmm. mixing in off-speed stuff is enough to, you know, uh, keep hitters honest and prolong his career because nobody is a one-pitch pitcher. Like, nobody. Araldis Chapman was kind of a sensation when he 
uh, entered the league and throwing 103 and whatever, he was not a one-pitch pitcher. Nobody can be a one-pitch pitcher. So that's not necessarily a shot against John, Sean Doolittle, but it is good to see that he has, you know, kind of adapted his game and is poised for a, a bounce back season because I, I do think as much grief as I may have given him, uh, it it is genuinely good to see him bounce back, and uh, this it's something the city and Nats fans in particular can rally around uh, a Sean Doolittle renaissance, so to speak. I, I just oh. hope the Nats don't come up with some corny pun to celebrate it. They will, you know that they will. I just yeah, thought it was hilarious will. after that whole brouhaha when Lador got hit in the face. We haven't talked about all that yet. But all of that just went down. It's all tension and everybody's pissed off. And then he just comes joyriding out of the bullpen on the, oh my, the, yeah, bullpen on the bullpen cart. cart. It was yeah. so funny. <laughs> Might have yeah. been not the moment, but whatever. It was hilarious. Yeah, Sean Doolittle is one of a kind. That is for sure. <laughs> and uh, the city embraces him and that doesn't come around all that often. So it is good to see him actually do well. And it's not just like a mascot, like a Gerardo Parra or anything like that. But let's dive into the actual games that were played. Um, Like I said, Nats dropped three or four, but there were some major storylines throughout, uh, you know, the the series and specifically within the the first two. Uh, Amanda, you just mentioned one that I'll start with because that sent that seemed to set the tone for the rest of the series. We even kind of saw a little bit of that today, which was, you know, I think just Buck show Walter posturing, but all the hit by pitches. Um, I don't even remember who the first pitcher was. Who hit Alonzo? Well, well, it started Corbin hit um, McCann with uh, the McCann. bases loaded in the foot. That was the yeah, first. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like a, a, a slider that just, it got his back foot. Like it didn't even hit him on the front side of his body. It was just like, I mean, we know what Corbin slider can be or should be. It had a, a wicked downward movement and got McCann on his back right foot. McCann's a right-hander. So it got him on his back right foot. So, yeah, that's what started it. And then was it – Who hit McCann again? Somebody else hit McCann. Was it both that hit him in the face? So much happened with, with that, that regard. Yeah, I know. There were so remember. many hit by pitches. Somebody so, else hit McCann again, and then Alonzo got hit in the face later in the game. So McCann had already been hit twice. And then, Mason, then Mason hit. Thompson hit uh, uh, Alonzo. Yeah. Yes, Mason Thompson hit. Okay, so I, I have it now. Corbin hit McCann back foot, and then uh, Machado hit McCann again mm-hmm. later in the game, and then Mason Thompson ended up hitting Pete Alonzo in the face. Thankfully, Thankfully. it uh, it like clipped his shoulder a little bit and then got his face flapped, so uh, it didn't hit him square in the face, but anything – you know, letters up uh, as far as a hit by pitch is, you know, territory for people getting pissed off. So that was three hit by pitches in the first game that this was opening day. So fast forward to the next day, I believe did Gray have a hit by pitch as well? Did he? Yes. No, 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 no. No, I think the next one was Lindor. Yeah. So, so day two, C-Shack, Steve C-Shack, comes in, makes his Nationals debut. Second pitch, Lindor squares the bunt. And I think what's being overlooked, a couple of things are, might be being overlooked. And I understand you had three hit-by-pitches the day before. Buck Showalter and the Mets were not 
necessarily pleased with that. I get it. I get it. You, you especially when you have to stand up for your team. Steve Ciszek, right? It's cold. There's a crackdown on sticky stuff. Lindor squares the bunt. When someone squares the bunt, pitchers are taught to throw up. And the reason for that is if you can throw up like letters or shoulders, typically you can get the batter to pop up a bunt and, you know, the, the damage is, you know, neutralized, neutralized. or minimized or whatever. And that's what C-Sheck did. So C-Sheck throws up, but unfortunately it got Lindor in the face. But it kind of it hit the majority of the flap again, thankfully, but it did get Lindor in the face. And that's when all hell broke loose. Uh, benches cleared, bullpens cleared. Uh, C-Sheck and Showalter kind of went at it. Uh, C-Sheck got ejected, not because of the hit by pitch, but apparently because he left the mound. The umpires did not like that. And I believe, I, I don't remember his name, but the Nationals third base coach, I believe he got ejected too. I don't remember what the exact reasoning for it was, but I'm sure it was something to do with, you know, the, the, the scrum and whatnot. So benches cleared day two. And then <laughs> day three, Yohan Adon making not his major league debut, but his only his second start in the MLB. He pitched the final game of last season. And uh, so this is his second start in the MLB. This for the first of obviously this season, he hits. Uh, I don't remember who he hit, but he hit them with a slider, like clearly not intentional. It just ran a little bit in. It was a slider. If you're going to hit someone on purpose, it's not going to be a the fastball. Slider. Yeah. Right. And, oh, and I should mention there was a lot of conversation and punditry on whether or not Max Scherzer would uh would retaliate and stand up for his new team he did hit bell but it did not seem like it was on purpose uh and you know th that's a separate conversation all that to say like you have six hit by pitches in total between the two teams in the first three games and i don't think any of them were intentional the nats are not good enough to throw at people intentionally like that's just my take on it but that's kind of set the tone for the series and Buck Showalter is an old school manager. Uh, for what it's worth, I do think he's uh, he's a top half of manager. I do think he's a, a relatively good manager, but he was just like, you know, looking for any excuse to make a big deal and make a fuss out of things and, and whatnot. But as far as that goes, what are your guys' thoughts on all of the hit by pitches and kind of the, you know, the Mets? as a whole posturing. Cause then Pete Alonzo got in on it too. And it was quote unquote silencing the crowd. So there was a lot of takes on it. Um, I don't have a problem with anything that Matt's did. Like, especially when you're a new manager, you're going to like make that statement early that you like, you got your guys is back. Like, this is my team. I'm going to defend them. Everything. Like again, players are going to make comments about it. Cause again, it's a clubhouse thing. My problem is people talking about how, oh, this is a result of MLB removing sticky substance. No, it's not. It's a result of not having MLB quality arms in your bullpen. Like, these people aren't good pitchers. They're going to hit people. The Nats are going to hit a lot of people this season, and it's really unfortunate because, again, they don't have MLB quality arms. Like, if you watch Mason Thompson, he was missing consistently where uh, Pete Alonso got hit. 
even after Alonzo got hit, he threw about four or five more pitches that inning exactly in that spot. These guys aren't really accurate. And when you have new young guys learning the pitch, when they're raw, they're not fully developed. They're trying to throw as hard as they can. They're amped up. They just made their roster. This is going to happen. It's not the substance issue because when you look league-wide, no one really got hit this weekend. The only people who got hit were Mets players. It's just the problem that's going to keep happening with this team all season is because, like I said, they don't have MLB quality arms. And it's just kind of like the really unfortunate situation. That being said, um, I don't think you should like if you hit someone in the face, even if it's not intentional, I feel like you should probably be suspended a couple of games, especially someone like Steve Ciszek, who's been in the league since like 1995, like Y2K was happening when he was in the league. So like if you hit someone in the face, you should probably miss a couple of games like that really, really shouldn't happen, no matter how bad you are. That's an interesting take, actually. Um, I wonder if guy, you know, obviously pitchers would be a lot less likely to throw up in that area if there was a possibility of a suspension. Um, so it certainly cut down on it, but it would also kind of cut down on their ability. You know, a lot of people do that and it's it's not smart because it's not safe. But I think there are a lot of pitchers who throw up and in that way to kind of back guys up off the plate and send a message. You know what I mean? Make them feel like they need to stay back a little bit. But who knows? I don't think there was a single one of these pitches that was intentional. And I don't think probably the Mets thought any of them were intentional either. There was like, you know, some in the fever swamps of Mets Twitter who were like, they're, you know, playing beanball with our guys and blah, blah, blah. I think, as you said, Ryan, our pitchers just suck. And uh, it wasn't just the bullpen. They were getting hit by starters too. Um, but, you know, it was a cold weekend. Um, and, you know, maybe the balls are, you know, some, some players, some people are saying the balls are, you know, really hard. They're like cue balls. I've heard people talking about on the radio and who knows, maybe the MLB, maybe MLB messed with the balls again. Um, and they're a little bit different. Um, I still, I still contend that they should be offering some kind of sticky substance that's acceptable to hitters and pitchers so that they have the ability to keep a grip on the ball. Uh, I hadn't looked Ryan at, at what had happened around the rest of baseball this weekend. And I guess a larger sample size will tell if, you know, three months into the season, there's a huge increase in hit by pitches, then I think MLB needs to do something about it. But if it's just a matter of the Nets not having pitchers with control, then, you know, that's a separate issue. And it is going to be a problem for our better players like Soto, because intentional or not, if we keep, we keep hitting pitcher, hitting hitters all the time with pitches, they are going to, people are going to start to retaliate. So it's something they need to get under control. Yeah, I guess I'm, I don't know if it's the minority or majority, but I, I do think the lack of sticky stuff is a contributor to it. It might not be the, you know, driving force behind it, but factor in the weather, like you said, Amanda, and uh, the inexperience, like you said, Ryan, it's just kind of like a perfect storm for these kind of things. I, but the bottom line for me is I don't think any of these were intentional, especially the ones like Adon and uh, like the first one by Corbin. It's just they're missing. So that that is, you know, lack of experience and maybe just lack of grip due to the weather or whatnot. But I mean, it, it, it it's tough to find a grip. And also, I just don't have that much benefit of the doubt in the MLB because they do tinker with these baseballs whenever they feel like it without much, if any, of a heads up. Yeah. Um, so it's like I, I don't think anyone's necessarily wrong, but I, I do think it's just like a culmination of a, an adjustment because, our yeah, our bullpen is, uh, well, I, I guess our whole starting 
not starting, but like our whole pitching staff as a whole, both starting and relief pitchers. We have a lot of young guys, a lot of inexperienced guys, and I, I'm not going to pretend like I, I know what goes on in the minors in the development league, but sticky stuff was kind of agreed upon, not necessarily allowed, but agreed upon for a long time. So I, I do believe these pitchers were kind of taught how to use sticky stuff. And because mm-hmm. they're so young, they might've gotten dependent on it. And not that they won't be effective without it, but it is an adjustment. And when your opening weekend is cold and you do get amped up, like Ryan said, it can just be like a perfect storm of, you know, unfortunate events. Um, I don't know. It, it, it is what it is. Like it's over now. And, you know, the Nats might prove that they do just stink <laughs> as far as their, their pitching goes and they might hit a lot of guys, but I don't think any of it was intentional. So I don't know that I agree with, the suspension aspect of it all. But I mean, if that's what it is, you can't, you also can't argue against it because guys got hit in the head and that's obviously a danger to the game. So, you know, regardless, I mean, the the Mets took exception to it that again, set the tone. Let's go to the pitching as a whole, you know, hit by pitches aside, the pitching was a a large conversation point uh, of the weekend, mainly because of the fifth inning curse and Fetty broke that today, but um you know, speaking of a culmination of things, the shortened spring training kind of uh, rushed start to the season post lockout did have an effect. A lot of guys around the league are not stretched out yet. You saw Garrett Cole go like four innings. You saw you Darvish get pulled, uh, throwing a no hitter after six, um, you know, and those are just a couple. But Corbin goes four, Josiah goes four. Adon goes four and a third. Fetty goes five. And that's how the weekend shook up. So it was a busy weekend for the bullpen not a lot of rest and not a lot of um you know deep starts by starting pitching that being said it wasn't too bad i i, I will admit the starting pitching was better than i thought it would be uh, especially when corbin is your ace but i liked some of the performances and kind of the the gritty get out of jams that some of our guys uh showed this weekend and maybe i'm just grasping at straws here looking for you know positive vibes or attempting to mm-hmm. find positive vibes, but those are all we have. So grip. Yeah. I, I didn't think it was too bad. What are you guys thoughts on uh, this? Uh, the pitching as a whole, you can include bullpen in this as well. Um, I'll let you go first, Amanda. Oh, sure. Um, it was, as you just said, better than expected. Um, I had, I had very low expectations. Um, obviously four innings from your starters is not good. Um, but they were by and large, the first four innings went pretty well in each game. Um, it was the fifth inning that <laughs> that fifth inning curse that um, the first three games, you know, everything kind of fell apart at that point. Um, Corbin, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, after last season, he was, I mean, literally the worst pitcher by ERA and a lot of other metrics um, among qualified starters in baseball last year. So you really couldn't expect very much from him. And, and there were so many times last year where we watched him start out. Okay. And then lose it. And that is kind of what we saw. I mean, he looked pretty good. The slider was working pretty well. The velocity was decent. Um, he just couldn't go longer than four. And you mentioned, I think in one of the spaces, Nick, that, um, you know, they're not stretched out yet and, and maybe they're just, they don't have the stamina to, you know, not run out of gas by the time they've gotten into the fifth. And that might be what happened with him, but I was encouraged by what I saw from him. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, another start or two or three, and he can, he can start getting deeper into games. 
Um, Gray was kind in some ways the same story. Um, he looked really good early. And then um, the fifth inning got him. But, you know, he was, he's going to have Brian, you just mentioned a little while ago, he's going to have some growing pains. He's not a, he's not a finished product. He's, he's a real young pitcher and, you know, kind of has a, you know, a number two spot in a starting rotation is, it's a big change for him from where he was last year. So I don't expect, I don't expect too much of gray, but I didn't mind what I saw. Um, Adon was, I was, I was surprised and uh, pleasantly so with him. He was, he was good. Um, we talked about that in the space after that game too. He, um, he had a lot of, he had a lot of good stuff going on. He, he was gritty. It was a good word that you just used, Nick. Um, he was able to get out of some jams, but then again, in the fifth, it got into, I can't remember if the bases were loaded when he came out. I think they were. Um, anyway, he, you know, didn't, didn't yes, make I it deep so. again. Yeah. I think they were loaded when he came out, but um, so obviously at that point in the game, he was, he again had run out of gas, but um, um, today, you know, uh, the starting pitching each day has been, I guess maybe we just had, maybe our expectations were too low. Nick, at the top of the show, you said that, like maybe I underestimated them a little bit. So I don't know if that's, it might be too early to say we underestimated them, but um, it definitely, it definitely was um, more than I expected. And I, I'm happy with what I saw. Wins would be nice, but progress is acceptable, I guess is kind of my overarching take on it. Yeah, I mean, sorry, I was muted, but go ahead, Ryan. I thought the pitching staff was pretty bad as advertised. The Mets lineup isn't good. <laughs> like, it is league average at best. It's not a good lineup. And entering today's game, I don't have the updated numbers, but heading into Sunday's game, the Mets led the majors with a 320 batting average and a 425 on base percentage. They also led the league in hits, doubles, and second in runs scored. So they were kind of teeing off on the pitching. Um, I think people kind of saw as, hey, not double digits, you know? Um, the, the pitching yeah, our staff, expectations are low. <laughs> yeah, like the pitching staff isn't good, and that was a not great lineup that did that to them. There's going to be some series against really good lineups where it's just going to be kind of nauseating to watch. Um, Corbin had some warning signs, some stuff that I was a little concerned about watching his start. I do want to see him do it again. Um, his spin rate, his velocity and his pitch movement was down across the board. Granted, was that because it was cold and rainy or is that the continuation of 2021? We don't know. I like to see a couple more starts for you make a couple more, you know, a little bit more of a assumption off that, especially when you have more data into it to consider. Um, but yeah, like, like I said, gray the growing pains are going to be there. It's going to be up to the nationals of, can they finally get a young pitcher to hit his ceiling? Because if they can gray would be a very solid three in any type of rotation. And I think if they can get him there, that would be a pretty big win, but I don't know if the Nats can. And then the rest of the rotation, like I, I don't even know who's in it. Those are the only two people that truly matter. Corbin's getting paid a million bajillion dollars. Gray. They need to hit. Um, Fetty's Fetty kind of just surprised with him when he can go three innings at this point, especially in his career. But yeah, I mean, overall, like considering I expect them to have a historically bad bullpen, it could have been, I mean, a historically bad pitching staff. It could have been worse. There were some positives in it, even though the numbers were disgusting. Were you, in, were you uh, surprised at all, Ryan, by the bullpen? Were they better than you were expecting? 
I generally think if this team can go a night where the bullpen doesn't give up a run, it's a win. The The bullpen did surprise a couple of times just because like when you look at the bullpen on paper, there's not a lot of MLB quality arms. And like today, the bullpen looked really good. That is something I hope that they could build on and continue to build on and grow because there's there's not going to be a lot of big victories for this bullpen. So you're going to have to take those couple outings where you're like, hey, we looked really good for those three innings and just pick on that because it's it's going to be tough with the bullpen this year. Yeah, I, I I see what you guys are saying. I As far as the Mets lineup goes, and I said this in the spaces today, I don't think it's that bad. And it's not certainly not to the level of like the Dodgers or the Braves or the Blue Jays or some of these other like stacked lineups you see across baseball, but it is deeper than it has been. And obviously, you know, we're only through a four game sample size, so it's impossible to, you know, make a judgment and a, a critique right now. But looking at this lineup, I mean, they are pretty deep. They don't have that one superstar like people might point to Francisco Lindor and especially to his contract and say, you know, he is that superstar. He needs to be that superstar. I just think he's, you know, a perfectly above average hitter. And I mean, he hit a home run today, Uh, but looking at this lineup, like I feel like it's a pretty good challenge for the first weekend of the, of the season. And uh, you know, they had some, the Mets that has had some at bats where they just had professional takes and were spoiling pitches. I mean, uh, Nimmo and McNeil and oh, damn Mark Hanna. Like yeah. he's, he showed this weekend why, you know, I know Ryan was, you know, on his, uh, you know, that campaign to sign him as well. He showed why, you know, everyone wanted him because he, he was just the most annoying ball player to face this weekend. It felt like he would have these long at bats where he's just spoiling pitches and professional grade takes. And then, you know, single, And like now all of a sudden our pitchers are gassed and we have to go back to the top of the lineup or like whatever. Um, Yeah. His average is uh, 700 after this. (laughs) Right. Right. And he had three of the seven hits after this weekend. Yeah. His OPS is 1.469 in the 700 batting average uh, against the Nats this weekend. So, right. So like the, this lineup isn't, the best the Nats will face. Like I think the Phillies lineup is better. The Braves lineup is better, but it was a good test. And I feel like, you know, it could have been better definitely, but I thought the starting pitching did all right. I I am curious to see in like two weeks, right? Obviously in two months, they should be plenty stretched out, but like in two weeks, how does the starting pitching look compared to to right now? Because if there's, yeah, if they're still only going four or five, you know, in two weeks, then yeah, yeah this, this rotation probably just sucks, but I, I was pleasantly surprised, but maybe I am just like grasping at straws, like I said, um, but I was definitely surprised by the bullpen. I thought yeah. we were going to have an atrocious bullpen because I mean, we had great teams and our bullpen was still atrocious, atrocious. So now that our team is atrocious, I expected, I don't even know what's worse than atrocious as far as the bullpen right, goes, like- but that's, that was my expectation flaming dumpster fire and yeah i thought it was going to be i thought it was going to be a disaster and it wasn't so obviously you know i'm maybe my expectations are too low and i'm satisfied with uh with too little here i i was pleased isn't the right word but i wasn't as displeased with the whole pitching situation as i expected i would be after the weekend yeah that's for sure and I, i said this uh on the spaces today 
and this is probably like way too bold of a take and I'll be proven wrong, uh, you know, on uh, old takes exposed here in like a week or so, but the on paper, right through, through four games, the incredibly large sample size that it is, you know, if the Nats can get C-Shack, Doolittle, Finnegan and Rainey going, I mean, that's a pretty good bullpen. And I don't, the, the sample size and history doesn't suggest that it will happen, but you know, I thought they all did pretty well. C-Shack is probably the one the jury's still out on, but Doolittle, Finnegan and Rainey all had good series, uh, had a good series. So maybe it's kind of like an unexpected outcome of the season. We just expected everything to go to shit. And uh, here comes a relatively good bullpen, but the, the floor is also incredibly low for this bullpen as well. It's not particularly consistent or safe or anything like that, but through four games, I was impressed. Let's move on to the lineup. Uh, Ryan mentioned it earlier. The two through five was about what you expected. Maybe not all at once, but through four games, you know, each of the two through five had their moments. Uh, K Bay Ruiz early on the first two games was awesome. Josh Bell, hits in all four games on base, all four games was incredibly impressive. Juan Soto, a homer opening day, Nelson Cruz, obviously the hero of today's game with three RBIs of the four to get the Nats the win. Ryan, what are your thoughts on the lineup? I know the six through nine is particularly bad, but is there a pathway to where the lineup can be not so bad? Uh, Yeah. Replace the six through nine. (laughs) <laughs> it's 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 that simple like um i i know you guys are doing this positive vibes thing but the blunt reality of the situation is the six through nine does not have a single major league quality hitter in it they're going to be like that all season line um i refuse to i i am no longer acknowledge him after today's episode yes. michael franco should not I be agree. on the major league roster he is the worst player i've ever seen in my life the fact that they do not have a single person in the minors that can replace him is absurd. I do not want to see Alcides Escobar ever again. Please play Lucius Fox. There's a difference between young guys struggling and 37-year-olds struggling. I don't want to see the 37-year-old struggle. I want to see the young guys struggle. Please play Lucius Fox. Victor Robles, my brother, what happened to you? Like he, he had the hardest hit ball today today on the bunt that he hit like a screaming line drive back to the pitcher on. He whiffed a couple times on the bunt. Like my brother in Christ, you used to be able to hit a baseball. What happened? Um, Cesar Cesar Hernandez. I, I don't I don't really know what's going on with Cesar Hernandez. They shifted him perfectly all series long. Like he yeah. had some good hits, but it was always right into the even the outfield shift. It was always right at guys. Was, so I don't know if there's a, a tell on him or what. It's it's so weird because like when you looked at his advanced metrics last season, they weren't as bad as his like normal numbers were so i was like okay that's a fine signing like he should rebound obviously it's only like what 14 abs like it's incredibly small Mm -hmm. sample size i I don't know i i I can't figure him out i don't know what type of hitter he is anymore in his career i feel like he keeps trying to become a power hitter and he's not but the two through five i got nothing nothing but love for two three and five um, <laughs> bit, bit, bit aside, Nelson Cruz. Well, fine. actually, it's two, four, five because Cruz hits. Oh, third. oh, that's that's right. He does hit third. Um, yeah. no, the the middle of the lineup is the strength of this lineup because those are the only major league quality hitters. I don't have 
to talk about Juan Soto. I don't really, Juan Soto didn't really have the best weekend. I don't really care. It's Juan Soto. Right. He's going to end the season hitting well over 300 like he always does. Um, I really, really liked what I saw from Kiber Ruiz. If it wasn't 45 degrees out and raining, he was two for mm-hmm. two with two home runs to start the year. Like yep. he smoked that first line drive off the wall. And then he flew out to the warning track. He's looked good. He's hitting the ball. Well, he went over three on Sunday, which is fine. Um, but the first two games of the season, he looked really, really good. And Bell's looking pretty good. Also, like these are, yes, they are small sample sizes, but it's, it's good to see a little bit of life. Everyone talked about Juan Soto's home run. Josh Bell hit that bad boy even further. Yeah. Off Scherzer too. Off Scherzer too. It was a yeah. moonshot. It, it, was a, it was a big daddy home run, but the two through five is going to be this only team's chance of winning games like it was today. Nelson Cruz outscoring the Mets. It's going to be like that all season long. Um, I don't think it'll be like an exaggeration to say that over 50, maybe even close to 60% of this team's offensive production is going to come from the middle of the lineup. And it hopefully teams are going to, you know, keep pitching to them and not try to pitch around and hope they chase. That could become an issue later down in the season. But love the two through five. I might just turn off the TV when everyone else is on. Yeah, there was some insane stat at, at the second half of last season. Like Soto went on his tear to really, you know, push for the MVP. And everyone's like, oh, the offense is good. The offense is not bad. It's like, all right, well, what happens if you take out Soto's production? <laughs> and then the offense like dropped to like 10th in the NL. So that's probably what it's going to be this year. Amanda, what are your thoughts on the offense? Um, yeah, they're obviously, you know, Soto, Soto. There's nothing to say about Soto. We all know who he is. Um, I'm, it's, you know, he's got Cruz hitting behind him. So he does have a little bit of protection. Bell. You know, I liked what I saw from Bell last year. I like what I see from him so far this season. That home run was just monstrous. That was fantastic, especially as you pointed out, those two from um, Ryan, you pointed out those two from Ruiz would have probably been home runs. Like what would the distance on that Bell or that sort of home run have been if it, the weather had been different? They were ridiculous. Um, going into the game today, I was looking at that bottom of the order and a bunch of guys with, you know, going into game four with a zero um, batting average. Batting average, so, yeah. Yeah. And uh, what I think now they're like two for what 60 or however many it is. It's 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 like 50 something or 49 or whatever. It's really bad. I completely agree with the, you know, just play Fox um, or any of the young guys, really. I, I can't understand what this team is doing and not just in a way, like I disagree with it, but like, I truly can't understand if you're in a rebuild year, if you're punting on this year, which you obviously are, if you're punting on this year, why all of these old veterans and and Davey says things like, oh, we're going to send him back down to triple A because we want him to play every day. Then let him play every day at the major league level. Why does he have to be in triple A to play every day? What value are you getting from playing guys like, like Yadiel Hernandez or, um, you know, D strange Gordon or any of these things like you're, you're not winning anything this year. So get those guys up from the minors and let them play. PR moves. It's really frustrating to me. I guess so, but why? Like, what is you're gonna what put a few more butts in seats and then suck again for next year when you're wasting another year of Juan Soto's prime and the only years he's likely to be with your club? I just can't understand it. And I know Mike Rizzo's a smart guy, and I know that there are some smart baseball brains in that building. So maybe they have a plan that I'm not I'm not understanding, but I don't get what it is they're trying to do with this lineup. You've got a few nice pieces. Uh, and then you've got Soto, who's beyond a nice piece. He's, you know, the best hitter in baseball. And, and then you've got nothing. 
nothing. And if you're willing to just have nothing, then fine, go all in and have nothing. But this half-assed, you know, we're going to play a bunch of old guys and not let our young guys play thing is just baffling to me. Yeah, because you can't even consider them bridge guys either. Like there's yeah, no the guarantee. Yeah, there, <laughs> but but also it's like there's no guarantee that they make it through the season. Like you can't consider Alcides Escobar or Michael Franco or uh, shit. I don't even know who else. Like you can't consider them a bridge because a bridge implies that, oh, okay, they're going to start for this one year and then we have a guy in waiting. Like presumably Escobar is going to start this year and then we have Luis Garcia in waiting. And obviously Luis Garcia has question marks of his own, especially defensively, but there's no guarantee Escobar is, you know, proves himself to be a quality, you know, serviceable guy at this level anymore. Like, he, right. yeah, and it was a nice story you last year. Let him work out his defense, like Luis Garcia, right. let him work out his defensive struggles here. Why is he right. working them out in triple A? There's right. There's like it was, it was a nice it was a nice story last year, but that's the nationals problem as, as a whole. It's like they cling on to these things for way too long. They clung on to Gerardo Parra, even still he's in the minor leagues. Like they, they clung on to as Drupal Cabrera. They clung on to, I mean, there's a million other I, Sean Doolittle, although that seems to be like so maybe, far, maybe you know, work all out. right. Maybe. But you know, there's so, Anibal Sanchez, another guy we haven't even talked about. Like, there's so many guys that they just cling to because they have decent stretches. Like, these guys ha- are vets, right? They- they've been in the league for 10-plus years. They're going to have stretches where they look not so bad because they are professionals. But that doesn't mean who they are. That's who they are anymore. And I, I think when these guys show you who they really are currently as a ball player, which they will, because a 162-game season shows you that kind of stuff, like you have to believe them and you're going to have to make moves because it, it doesn't do anyone any service. Even the guys in your locker room, if they see that, you know, a guy's hitting, you know, 067, right. In June with 200 at bats, they're going to be like, what the hell? <laughs> like this, they're just not going to take you seriously. And I, I don't know. I'm not convinced that they are trying to resign bell, but you know, for this hypothetical, let's say they are, Josh Bell looks at this team and says, uh, it doesn't seem like they're really trying to compete. They're really taking this seriously. I'm going elsewhere. Like yeah. it, it just has a trickle down effect that I don't think at least right now they're taking seriously. And it, it's annoying. It doesn't um, but- make for a healthy, uh, for a healthy lot. I don't think, and honestly, to me, the only thing that matters to me is that they resign Soto and it's the only thing that should matter to them. And having a team that's you know, in this weird limbo that still sucks, but isn't actually making the moves that it would, you know, letting the young guys get the experience it would take for, then, you know, who do you have and who do you need to go get, you know, if you're going to compete again, like Soto is not going to play on a crappy team for the next two years. And then in his free agency year, be like, yeah, I think oh, I I'll stay. Sign here yeah. With Nats. yeah. It's just not going to happen. Like that. All you should be doing is whatever it takes to keep on Soto. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's, it's really confusing because it, it seems like they, they didn't like, I, I don't, I don't like, I mean, like he said, I don't understand what they were doing. And I was talking about this on Twitter with district dingers. And he said that this team's going to have a hard problem signing free agents because no mm-hmm. one's going to want to come here because there's no quality. They don't guys. take them serious. Yeah. There's, there's no quality guys. They haven't signed a multi-year contract in the last three years. That's fine. This team's been in a weird like pending phase for the last couple of years. And they finally committed to the rebuild, but I would re-sign Josh Bell because at that point you have three solid pieces in your field. Josh Bell is really good. Bell, 
Yeah, he is. I like you that. have yeah. really, really good Bell and Soto, and you can be like, all right, free agents, you guys can come here and be a part of that, but they're not. And I don't really understand what they did like in the off season either. Like we haven't had a, like a normal episode to like really sit down and talk about this, which is kind of interesting also, but it kind of seemed like they're just making some moves to say like to the average fans, Hey, we're trying when in reality they, they weren't. And that's fine. Like I want the number one overall pick. I want it. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I want the number one overall pick bad and they have a very good chance at it, but I have a very bad feeling that the Nats are going to be on a long-term Orioles type rebuild instead of the short one to two year, like retool. That was very possible. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, look at, and I'm not, again, I'm not going to pretend to know what the expos were like before they moved to DC, but if you just talk about from the time they moved to DC, it was 2005 and they weren't competitive until 2012. So it's like, are we looking at a seven year rebuild? I would say we're closer to seven than one or two, like Ryan said, and it was possible. I agree with you, Ryan. Like it was possible to turn this thing around pretty quickly. Uh, and they didn't. So it kind of just leaves you scratching your head. Like you can't even ask the question like it's pretty much rhetorical at this point they are just pocketing the money and then just moving forward yeah and it just like i said there must be a plan like they're they're not not i don't think so though there has to be a plan i don't think there has to understand the plan yeah i don't think there has to be oh no No, and like because they could they could just be saying oh we're gonna see what we have like i guess that's technically a plan but not really but they're not seeing what they have. They signed a bunch of old players who are, you know, not a part of this team's future. So you're not. Well, even seeing they could they be like, oh, I'm going to sign Sean Doodle, Doolittle and let's see what he does like that. I guess that's technically their plan. Well, I hope it, I hope that it works out for Doolittle. I hope it works out for all these guys. But like we've talked about before, when you have a team that's built on if this guy overperforms and if this guy has. It feels like the Nats have been this, that for three that, years now. It does. It does. Ever since the World Series year. Yeah. You know, they've they've just been, yeah. It just, yeah. Just just give me good prospects at the deadline and heard I would use to describe it. Yeah. I just don't want to see him trade Bell or Soto. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So l- let's move on from the, the past series, but but before we preview the Braves really quick. Uh, what, just one final takeaway, maybe something we haven't touched on, or it could be good or bad. I know we're trying to stay positive uh, for uh, you know the most part, but there was plenty of bad in the series too. What's one final takeaway uh, for you guys from the series? Mm, I, they are who we thought they were. They're they're a bad team, you know, and that's just what we're all going to have to learn to live with this season. I loved the safety squeeze today. And, uh, you know, I'm a sucker for that. I'm a, I'm a sucker for that. I will admit, but it's kind of that whole inning, you know, or that inning as a whole, I should say Yadiel Hernandez finally gets hit bottom of the lineup, at least starts to do something. Davey immediately takes Hernandez out, puts in D strange Gordon. You're like, okay, D strange Gordon, you know, stolen base threat first to third threat next, uh, next batter, Michael Franco, finally gets a hit, finally gets on base. And D. Strange Gordon goes first to third, right? Yadiel Hernandez isn't doing that. So you kind of see where Davey's mind is at. And then obviously next batter, Lucius Fox. I mean, I believe it was his MLB debut. Um, 
you know, struck out earlier in the game. It was a nasty pitch, but he struck out, hadn't really, you know, done anything to that point. Huge moment down by one tying run on third safety squeeze. And he did it perfect. And it was a great slide by D strange Gordon as well. But then you tie the game. Obviously you take the lead. Davey puts in Lane Thomas to play left. Like that whole sequence of events, like that was, that was cool to see because I, I know I have definitely given Davey plenty of criticism. Uh, and I do think a lot of it has been deserved, but that was, I mean, you know, you could, you could follow the trail of the thought process with that. And obviously things had to happen. Like Yadiel had to get on base. Michael Franco had to get on base and all that stuff. Lucius Fox had to get the bunt down, but you, you followed the thought process. And that was like one of the first times in feels like forever where I could actually follow what Davey was doing. And obviously it worked. So it, it felt pretty good to see it actually come to fruition and not just like a pipe dream as it seems so often with his team. But Ryan, what's your takeaway? Yeah, I, I, I liked what you're saying about the suicide squeeze. Find the way. Like when yes, you see, exactly. It, Manufacture runs however you can. Small ball. Exactly. Your, your season's going it, to, it's going to be a rough season. Find the way to score, find the way to win games. But my, my takeaway, I, I tweeted it. This season is going to be what did the three young guys who are here. There's more than that, but I'm only counting Gray, Soda, Ruiz. My takeaway is what did they do? And two, three, well, two points. Six five because <laughs> Gray, Gray looked good until the fourth inning. Right. That that's my takeaway is how they do. And to be honest with you, that's just what I'm going to be looking at all season long. And yeah, I mean, just just find the way. You know, this this team, they're not going to win a lot of games. I I feel like they all know that from top to bottom. But it it might be a little fun. You know, expectation free baseball is it can't be beat. Yeah. Exactly. All right, let's preview the upcoming series. The Nats travel to Atlanta for a three-game set against the Braves tomorrow, and it's something we talked about in the spaces, but we haven't talked about yet. It does seem like Josh Rogers is going to get the start. It hasn't been announced yet, but uh, Davey said something to the effect of Anibal Sanchez is not ready to go. He's dealing with some sort of injury. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but... Uh, he said and, stiff and neck is all he said. It. I, I don't mean to be purposely purposefully mean but it's not the worst thing in the world <laughs> like i would much rather see josh rogers than anibal sanchez it's to the effect of what ryan said and amanda what you said as well like i, I want to see what we have like th- there is a world where josh rogers turns into like a solid four or five guy like many teams around the league will take guys that you know their ceiling is a four starter like they still have immense value in baseball i'm not saying that's what josh rogers will be but I would much rather see him, right? I would much <laughs> rather see him than Honorable Sanchez, who on his best day is going to go five and give up one run. And that's something, um, man, I, I, I think it was Bob, uh, Bob Carpenter who said it. I'm not entirely sure, but he, he was talking about uh, prior to Adon getting the announced start for game three, because uh, it was rumored that Anibal Sanchez would be starting game three. And then uh, they kind of surprised Yoan Adon, not like, like it surprised him in a good way. Uh, but Bob made the point that in 2019, obviously when Anibal Sanchez was really pitching last, his average was like a five inning guy. And based on how the series was going, Corbin goes for Greg goes for you're already taxing your bullpen a lot. And, you know, if that's Sanchez's, ceiling so to speak 
going only five, that's not really doing you much. And granted, Adon only went four and a third, but the potential was also there for him to go deeper. He just ran into a little bit of trouble and his pitch count got up there. So uh, again, that just goes to my point. I would much rather see Josh Rogers than Anibal Sanchez. It does seem like we will see him for game one versus the Braves tomorrow against Oscar Yenoa. And then Tuesday probably is going to be Corbin versus Max Freed. And then Wednesday's game will be Josiah Gray. I'm not sure who's going to be going for the Braves that day, but Josiah Gray versus probably whoever the Braves number two is in the rotation. And then then, uh, when you guys hear us next, that series will be over and we will be traveling to Pittsburgh for hopefully what is a get right series. Um, I, we said this last year. About us. Yeah, I was going to say, we said this last <laughs> year. If you can't find the get right series on your calendar, typically you are the get right series. So we'll see. But it is a brutal stretch to start the season for the Nats. They don't have an off day till April 25th. So three weeks, mm-hmm. two weeks, sorry, two weeks. But it was three weeks to start the season or two and a half. But it's going to be a brutal stretch. Uh, expectations for this uh, Brave series? None. <laughs> yeah that, that's know, probably like, the right mindset to have yeah like the the braves are off to their patented slow start um the last like five years they've gone off to a slow start and off that again I th- they went one and two against the reds who tore oh. down their complete roster but their their lineups off to a bit of a slow start <laughs> they're they're seeing the right rotation for that it's not as good as it will be the rest of the season because Acuna is out right now. Obviously again, extremely small sample size, Matt Olson, Austin Riley were the only two that hit this weekend. Matt Olson is good. He's going to be a thorn in this MVP. team's side. Mm-hmm. He might be, um, he has a 1600 OPS and he's buying about 600 right now. Austin Riley's hitting a tad below 400. So I, I don't, I don't have expectations. If they win one game, that's a win. To be like to be completely honest, like yeah. they're defending World Series champs. Like they went out, they had a great offseason. If this team can find a way to win one game, that's a good series. Like it's we stink. They do not. <laughs> yeah. Well, we suck and they don't suck. So yeah, I think um oof, I think they're gonna get swept. But um, I agree with you completely, Ryan. If they can win one, I will I will count that as a moral victory. Um, when we were yesterday or the day before, when we did the Twitter spaces, um, we talked, just touched on this topic. And I, I said, then if they don't win today's game, the fourth game of the Mets series, they're not going to win a game until they get to Pittsburgh. And, uh, I guess I'll stand by that. They did win today, but, um, I don't, I don't think they're going to win any of the games against Atlanta. I think they're just too complete a team. And this team is full of holes, you know, maybe they'll surprise us and, and get a little offense going. If they can get, you know, if like, Hernandez can get on base and you can, you know, you can, you know, Soto can do some damage and you, you get a couple of nice, you know, home runs from Bell and or Cruz and that middle of the order does its thing. Like maybe we can piece together enough offense to win a game, but um, the pitching, our pitching is just, I think, good enough to hold this team down enough for us to assist of only guys yeah um it's kind of what it is right now hopefully heading down to atlanta with some warmer weather uh you know gets those what if balls like even yadiel hernandez hit one about like 399 to dead center today Mm -hmm. and would have been gone on pretty much any other day so hopefully getting some warmer weather will 
see some increased offensive output. Uh, Max Reed didn't, he was the opening day starter starter. Obviously he didn't have his best stuff. Like he gave up eight hits and I believe like five runs and, and whatnot. So hopefully he's still rattled enough. You can kind of get to him and maybe chase him early. And then you're just dealing with the, the Braves bullpen um, from, you know, there on out and Charlie Morton will probably be going uh, Wednesday, by the way, I've completely forgot he was a brave. I just assumed he was still on the race, but um, yeah, I, I, my expectations are none. My hope is that we just see more from the offense because I, I was genuinely surprised and, you know, okay with how the pitching did. It needs to be better, obviously, but I was okay with that. But the offense was pretty concerning because uh, up until the eighth inning today, we had scored, what, five runs in the series, and four of those runs came from a home run and then yeah, a sack fly. Mostly long so it's like I, I need to see more consistent offensive output that isn't totally reliant on the long ball. But I, I also agree that Ryan's right, and this is where I kind of falter from my positive vibes attempted. Like the, the, the bottom of our lineup is so bad. And there's no history or sample size or anything that points to it turning around. Like I know it seems like the Nats and Davey and maybe Rizzo love Yadiel Hernandez. Listen, he's a 34 year old player and not that he can't be good, but there's a reason he didn't break through until the Nats sold off every little piece they could. And, you know, there's a reason the Cardinals gave up on Lane Thomas and, you know, Victor Robles is a whole nother story. And it, it, just, it just goes on and on and on. And I mean, Michael Franco got cut by the Orioles. Like, what are we doing? Alcides Escobar got, he was a uh, ALCS MVP for the Royals in the 2015 season. And when they're, you know, they made their run. And he spent last year in the triple A, triple A affiliate for the Royals, for the Royals who suck. And he was playing in triple A for them. He was not even on the big league roster for them. So it's like, we're expecting all of these guys to perform like their five years ago self. And it's just unrealistic. So I need to see more, I guess, from the top after the lineup, just, you know, clicking all together. It can't be just bell or just Cruz or just Soto. I would like to see a game where they put it all together and we can kind of point to be like, Hey, when everything works, that's what happens. And it's unrealistic to expect that over the next 158 games, but it would be nice to be to be able to see it at least once, especially against a really good team like the Braves. So yeah, I was going to say I don't think it's realistic to see it against the Braves. No, but maybe, maybe. I mean, you know, uh, I guess he's a five starter, so that's a perceived weakness. Again, Freed had a rough start, so maybe I don't know. I yeah, doubt it, but I don't think that I, even though he's you know they're a five starter. So to speak, I don't think that, you know, us throwing Josh Rogers out there is um, instilling any fear. Right. I mean, he's their five starter, but he would probably be at like our two starter. So, (laughs) yeah, maybe our one if we weren't paying Patrick Corbin so much. Um, Yeah, yeah, I I just um, I have these I have this fear and I'm sure we're going to see it a million times this season, which is that even when the top, you know, two, three, four, even maybe one, like maybe when the top half of the order gets something going, that bottom half of the order is going to be a rally killer over and over and over. Oh, uh, it's such like a buzzkill. the worst because I, yeah, that's exactly it. A buzzkill because if they even get something good going on, it's going to end every, every single time. Cause we don't have a, a, a hitter worth a damn in the bottom of the order. 
Jesse Doherty's next book will be From Buzzsaw to Buzzkill, the story of how the Nats absolutely lost every piece of momentum possible from the World Series run. Well, the tagline's a little long, but I love the headline. That was really <laughs> title. That was really good. I, I, like I was on cloud nine after the safety squeeze today. And then mm-hmm. I see Victor Robles in whatever the hell that was. And I, I tweeted this today. Like I, at this point, I would much rather see Robles just start swinging because he had what, like 18 at bats this weekend. I swear to God, he probably tried to bunt for a hit in nine of them. And like, they're, they're, you're just never going to break out of a slump that way. You never mm-hmm. are. Like I, I get trying it one if you go over 10 and then you're like, oh, I'm just going to try to bunt for a hit and break the slump. OK, that that's something. But like doing it nine out of 18 times or whatever, it probably wasn't that much, but it f- certainly felt like that. And he there was multiple at bats this series where he tried it more than once during an at bat. It, it's just like you're never going to get your timing down. You're never going to get your swing down. It, it's like. I don't understand the thought process. I don't know if it's Robles because I know there's been issues with him, like kind of doing his own thing, especially on the base paths. Or I don't know if it's like the team saying, Hey, you suck just bunt, but it's getting really annoying. And he's such a buzzkill. And I understand why they're hitting him ninth because like, it's just, it's an easy out. So they want him to bat as like few times as possible. Like, and I said this yesterday, I guess so, but then why do they, why don't they just bring up? Cause they had no one else. They have no one else yeah. like that. I mean, that's anyone they, they do have is like three years away from the majors and you're not going to bring them up too early because that's what got them tro- in trouble in the past. So it's like, still. yeah, I, I, you know, said this yesterday, like a lot of these games are going to be shrunk from nine innings to six innings because, you know, you're seven, eight, nine. If they get up three times a game, they're just, giving the other team three free innings it's like a bingo card like they're just giving them three free spaces and the Nats only get six innings to score runs whereas the opponent you know gets nine so it's like you're already putting yourself in a hole and it makes no sense like it's tough enough having one uh you know albatross or uh liability in the lineup but the Nats have at least three if not more like when Lane Thomas started last night instead of uh um well, I guess it wasn't Lane Thomas, but like he was hitting fifth to replacing Ruiz's spot when Riley Adams was starting. It was like five mm-hmm. through nine. And it, it just, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's hard we'll to dive take into in. that later. Yeah. There's a lot to say there. We could talk about that for a long time. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, we'll wrap this episode up. Like Ryan said earlier, like we're, we're still getting our uh, feet wet again you know, doing these regular episodes, there's obviously a ton to talk about that we haven't even covered yet with this Nats team and kind of how it will go forward. Um, but definitely join us on the Twitter spaces. Cause like I said, at the start of the episode, we're going to be doing those pretty regularly, if not after every game. Um, and we'll, you know, dive into kind of the more specific happenings within the games in those spaces. And obviously we get your input as well. So it's proved to be a pretty like fun, interactive experience for us and seemingly for uh, you guys as well. Those that have joined the Twitter spaces. So I hope you guys enjoy that and participate in that because we do love doing those. All right, let's wrap up with our one big thing. Um, it could be baseball related because we haven't really talked about the rest of baseball. It could be, you know, something Nats related that we didn't talk about or anything like that. You guys got anything before we head out? I got something. What's um, up? Allison and I recorded our first episode of the new show Pitch Perfect yep. this morning. It's going to drop for you guys tomorrow. Well, today, um, if you're listening to this on release day. Yes, that's 
true you're gonna, today if you're listening to this on Monday. So please go check it out. Um, this is going to be for the Patreon, but the first episode is free. We did a really fun um, retrospective on opening day starters for the Nats. So in 18 seasons, there have been seven and we discussed each of them and then ranked them and it was super fun. So I hope you guys will check it out. We're really excited about the new show. Yeah, and I'll just go ahead and plug that now. Uh, be sure to check out the Half Street High Heat Patreon. I know I've talked about it probably ad nauseum at this point. I mean, I, I think I spent 10 minutes uh, last week, you know, just talking about it in general. But again, we are really excited about it and we have a lot of great content coming out. So go check out Half Street High Heat on Patreon and you get four new shows, uh, the pickoff, Pitch Perfect, um, uh, the Amateur Update and the Half Street Fantasy Hour. And you get a bunch of exclusive merch, videos, content, all that good stuff on the Patreon. So be sure to check that out. And there's all kinds of different levels. So if you don't want everything, you don't have to pay for everything. You can just kind of pay for what you want. So it is, you know, you get to, you know, mix and max, mix and match. I almost said mix and max. <laughs> max shares are on the brain. Uh, you mix and match. Max. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, mix and match and you know pick what you want so be sure to, to go check that out but like amanda said the first episode or the first you know two episodes of each show will be free through you know the half street high heat podcast so if you see other shows pop up in your your downloads or whatever that's what they are it's just kind of like free previews we did two for the amateur update that's now exclusively on our patreon monty's show about you know prospects and college baseball and stuff that's exclusively on our patreon now and I know people are, have been really liking that. So be sure to check out on our Patreon as well. And uh, please subscribe because we definitely appreciate it. Ryan, you got anything else? Um, No, I don't. I am very excited to listen to all these shows coming out on the Patreon. Uh, Monty's is absolutely fantastic, even though he yawned. Everyone make sure you guys <laughs> tell Monty that he yawned. I heard it. And if he says otherwise, he's a liar. But no, this is the season of Ruiz. He's the only person I care about this year. I'm just declaring that right now again. So are you declaring that you are K-Bear Ruiz's biggest fan? I am. I created the hive. I created the hype and I'm his biggest fan. Okay. That's good to know. Uh, I, I mean, I have no evidence to the contrary. So I will declare you K-Bear Ruiz's biggest fan. Hoorah. It's going to cause controversy. Hoorah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my big thing is uh, my wagon brother absolutely went yard today you know I, I i have adopted the blue jays as my al team and he destroyed a baseball today i think he had it like 476 feet oh my god and this and is like the is opening weekend i don't know but that baseball was destroyed and i just had to say that uh, i mean uh there was a clip of matt chapman's home run today the roger center was popping and this is game four of the season like imagine, well, I mean, we've seen it with, you know, Jose Bautista and the, the wild card games, like when Roger center and, you know, Toronto fans get going in general, it is an electric factory and having a guy, my wagon brother, like Vladimir Guerrero jr. Doing what he does up there. It is must watch TV or must watch streaming, whatever it's called. But like wagon brother absolutely destroyed a baseball today. And that, you know, makes up for all the deficiencies. Merch? <laughs> yeah it's gonna be my ass and vladimir guerrero's ass right next to each other on one t-shirt but you probably need like an extra wide t-shirt because of our wagons that just like maybe you could put them like stacked vertically or something or, or or we'll just shrink them down and then there'll be like a little disclaimer underneath like not 
you know, actual, like they do on the cereal boxes, like, like not actual size. On t-shirt are smaller than they, than they yeah, appear or whatever. Yeah. We'll have to <laughs> disclaimer that as well. All right, guys, that does it for this episode. We'll be back uh, later this week, recapping the brave series and previewing what will hopefully be a <laughs> better pirate series. I mean, I'm kind of hedging a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I do think we're in for a rough time against the Braves, but we shall see. Hopefully we are proved wrong. But in the meantime, uh, be sure to check out halfstreethighheat.com for all the latest content, articles, uh, blogs, all that good stuff from our amazing writing team. Monty has been killing it. Um, and uh, like I said, be sure to check out the Patreon. YouTube page is still going as well. Trey, I mean, speaking of someone who's killing it, I mean, he's been on it all off season long and he is not done yet. He's only scratching the surface. So be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel as well and follow us on Twitter. The show is at half street, high heat street with an ST Amanda at a white seven, eight, seven, seven, Ryan at, we are all shack and myself at Nats moose. We appreciate listening. We will be back on Thursday with another episode. And in the meantime, let's go Nats. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team is mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. the early light of dawn well you can see they're running scared cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air tell the library of congress that they might not want to look cause we're putting curly w's in every book let's go nats we've got a game to play we're gonna win today let's ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done